Welcome to A Disciple's Point of View, a podcast where we go over a variety of topics related to Christianity. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a, I guess you could call this a special edition of A Disciple's Point of View. If you're paying attention, you've noticed that I haven't really posted anything this week, and I've been pretty consistent with this podcast for a little over a year now, but you know, as life tends to happen, I got caught up with real world stuff and I've fallen behind in this, but I wanted to go ahead and throw something out there given the events that have transpired over the last 12 to 18 hours. So the big news of the day is that Russia has invaded Ukraine. They were building up troops along the border. They said it was just simply because of NATO's encroachment into having a presence right there on their border, and they were just interested in their own national security. Well, overnight, our overnight here in the United States, Russia has indeed invaded Ukraine, and it is ongoing at this time, and a lot of people are probably scared to death. This means World War III. Things are about to break out, and what do we do? Oh my gosh, and they just start freaking out and all this sorts of good stuff. So, I'm just going to throw my two cents out into the uh, into the interwebs, and I'm just going to try to get as biblical as I can. And realistically speaking, Russia's invasion of Ukraine technically doesn't have any biblical relevance. It does, but it doesn't. I think the only biblical relevance of this is just simply the prophecy in Ezekiel 38 and 39 where Russia is identified as Gog, geographically speaking, and Magog is the king that's over Gog, who eyes Israel and goes after Israel. And that's when God basically shuts the whole thing down. Go read Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 for yourself. You get an idea of what I'm talking about. The only reason that this is relevant biblically and why you'll see a lot on Christian Twitter just going absolutely ballistic saying the rapture is right around the corner is because it signals to the world that Russia is taking a lot more of an aggressive stance on the world stage. Here's another thing that you want to keep your eye on. And this sort of, again, ties into something biblical, but it's a little bit off into the future. But I would honestly look for China to start making a play for Taiwan. They clearly for a long time have claimed that they, it was a rogue state, that Taiwan is actually a part of China. The world has said, no, they're a sovereign country. And think what you will of the current United States administration, not going to comment on that, but the Western powers, you have to admit, have been largely absent over the last year or so in trying to curb uh, Russia's aggression and China's aggression. And the thing of it is, the two have played war games together in recent times, coupled with Iran. Turkey is also playing a little bit into the alliance with uh, Russia and Iran. Read Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 and the commentaries of the geographic areas identified in that prophecy. And those three countries are in an alliance against Israel. That's where it biblically ties in. China biblically ties in because of the mention of the 200 million man army in the book of Revelation. However, that is well into the tribulation period, and we are, we may well be on the cusp, but who, who knows, you know, no man knows the day of the hour, but uh, China is believed to be the source of where the 200 million man army comes from. I happen to believe it's a combination of India and China, given their 
both are populations and both are right next door to each other. And it says from the east. So, you know, uh, relative to the land of Israel, well, both are to the east, right? And then there's some sort of conjecture here and there about what it actually means in terms of is it actually humans? Could it be robots? Because we're starting to see a lot of boosts in technology and it seems to be a demonically uh, inspired and possessed army. We don't know. So China, in a way, plays into Bible prophecy. But it's like, I think what it is, is basically it's showing a power shift in the world right now. And I think this could take us on the fast track of Bible prophecy and how things will come together in the end. And it very well could be fomenting a world chaos where one man, <laughs> it sounds like a movie trailer, right? But one man will rise up in accordance to Bible prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, and he will make a strong covenant with many for a period of seven years. A lot of people think the strong covenant means a peace treaty. And specifically, I'm referring to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. We have, well, I'll, I'll explain it really fast. Israel was given 70 periods of seven years to basically bring in everlasting righteousness and to put away uh, sin away from the nation, right? And obviously, we saw a near 1900-year exile of the nation of Israel from the land. 1948, they come back into the land, right? You can account for 69 periods of seven years all the way up until the time of Jesus Christ walking the earth. There still remains one period of seven years that is outstanding. And in the commentators of many, and I believe the same thing, the church age has put a huge pause on that prophetic time clock. But I believe once the church is taken out of the way, the Holy Spirit indwelling the church is taken out of the way, it creates a power vacuum of sorts, and basically somebody comes in, one man who is basically the devil's man, and since the world saw fit to reject Jesus Christ and has largely, um, even if unknowingly, embraced the devil, one man who is the devil's man, will make a strong covenant with many to include Israel for a period of seven years. That's what we're looking for next. And I think with Russia and China posturing as they have been, and Russia obviously now actually making a move and making a play now that they see that they have that opportunity, I think that's where we're going to start seeing uh, maybe, maybe, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but maybe we might start seeing something that takes place that might have biblical significance. But in the meantime, I would say just pray. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, this may well lead to a greater conflict, okay? It is scary. It, If anything, it's going to tumble the world markets. It's going to be harder to buy food. It's going to be harder to get gas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to make life really hard, okay? And salvation in Jesus Christ, the thing of it is, is that we all are under the power of something called sin. What sin is, is basically, is a Greek word uh, called harmardia, where we get our word sin. It means missing the mark, missing the mark of perfection. God has a standard. And each and every one of us has fallen short of that. In Ezekiel 18, verse 20, it says, the soul that sins shall die. God demands perfection of people who want to dwell in his presence. And if we miss that mark, we're then cast away from him because he will not tolerate that. He demands perfection. And the thing of it is, it only sounds egotistical if you think of God as a human. 
thing of it is, is he is so far and above and removed from humanity as far as his person, his being, and how he is. If he can create the world just simply by speaking it into existence, he has the right to say who will and who will not dwell in his presence. And if you think about it in terms like that, it's not arrogance whatsoever. It's actually more arrogant of us to put God on our level and saying, wow, that's really egotistical and whatnot. Read through the Old Testament. He just seems like a petulant child and whatnot. You're thinking of him in too human a terms, okay? If you start looking at him how he really is, then you will understand why he demands perfection. But the thing of it is, is that Jesus is God in the flesh. John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the father, uh, full of grace and truth. He actually came, lived the perfect life, died on the cross to the totality of the wrath of God for, for your sins and rose from the dead three days later. And you pronounce him as Lord of your life where God quickens your heart to believe where you can even confess that and God will save you from the consequences of your sin. So if you want to be living free of just the uncertainty of what may come next, you can actually rest assured in Jesus Christ because you know ultimately that God is in control. I want to go ahead and tell you in this next segment coming up exactly how to do everything I just described. At this point in the podcast, I want to reach out to you. And if you have never done so, if you have never entered into a saving relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. Believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you, you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and your heart and everything through a process, if you will, to be able to embody what's already taken place in your heart by simply saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And now I confess you as Lord. Please take control of my life. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. That's all you need to do. And your life will change. Your life will change, not necessarily materially, not necessarily in terms of the world, but your life will change as far as your relationship with God. And you can know for certain that you're saved. The apostle John wrote that when he was pinning first John, he says, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you can hope, not that you can wonder, but that you can know. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast.
I want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast today. If you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, I have the links for the social networks that I am connected on in my bio for this podcast. I'm also available at Gmail at DisciplePOV, that's D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E-P-O-V at gmail.com. If you have anything that you would like to convey to me, such as something you agree with, something you don't, or anything else, or if you did receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I'd love to hear from you today and to assist you on your new eternal journey.